having a fair amount of like persistence goes like a really long way and you know and it's it's kind of one of those things yeah you don't have to be like you know the smartest person in the world but like you do need a fair amount of you know grit as they would say or like persistence just because like you know it's a, it can be a long and hard road hello and welcome to the founder shares podcast brought to you by hutchison a law firm in raleigh north carolina that helps founders and entrepreneurs in technology and life science companies start up operate get funded and exit. So whether you're already an entrepreneur or want to be one someday or are just fascinated by the stories of how a business goes from idea to success or not such a success, this podcast is for you. Today's guest is Kurt Sysok, co-founder and CEO of Radformation. Radformation provides a suite of radiation oncology workflow automation solutions that save time, eliminate planning errors, and enable oncologists to design optimal treatment plans for their patients. Kurt was a medical physicist by trade, which means he worked behind the scenes to put plans together for treating radiation oncology patients. What he noticed while he was trying to come up with the right radiation treatment formulas for each patient was that much of his work was manual, where he felt it could have been more automated. You know, I was working in the clinic for many years, and yeah, I just thought things could be more streamlined. How do we reduce errors, better quality plans that we put together for these patients? And ultimately kind of this, how do we do things as efficiently as possible was kind of one of the main things I always thought about. And then it kind of got to the point where I don't know, I kept thinking about it like all the time. And so, yeah, you kind of, I don't know, there's kind of this whole thing, you know, it's like, if you can't let it go, then it's probably a good sign. You should probably go do something about it. And so for me, you know, that was kind of the, okay, yeah, maybe um, it's time to actually go start a company around this. Kurt found two other radiation oncology medical physicists, Liz Van Wee and Alan Nelson, and together in 2014, they formed a company together to solve this problem. Radformation, which as we'll hear later, has raised millions in funding and has over 100 employees, actually was a side hustle for quite a while. Back then, Kurt was at his job all day and then would code at night. Finding new clients was often a challenge. Visibility was somewhat limited and resources were constrained. However, as they persevered and grew through word of mouth, that side hustle turned into a full-time gig and Kurt quit his job on January 1st, 2016. And so in the early days, it's just trying to talk with people to let them know you're there. And then as you grow and more and more people hear about you, you know, now a lot of people, at least in the U.S., kind of know about us, right? The majority of our customers are in the U.S. So then it kind of makes it, you know, uh, a bit easier just because you get be- you have more brand recognition. So it's, uh, you know, less like, oh, who are you? Or, you know, you're this tiny company. Are you going to be around in a year? Right. But, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, you're going to be around. You know, show me what you, what you have there. But yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, one year at a time just kind of keeps growing and growing and growing. And yeah, and then as you bring on more people right now, you can have more outreach, right, to all the clinics that don't know about you. So yeah, it kind of every year builds on itself, right, as we were adding headcount. I mean, because every year we kept hiring, 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 hiring as we kept, you know, growing, growing, growing. So a question of kind of on that side of things, you know, as you are thinking about allocating resources to the folks that you're going to hire, you know, do you hire dev teams first or sales teams first or kind of grow them equally as you went along? How did you think about that as, as you were building the company out? Yeah, it was kind of interesting. You know, from day one, we kind of had this aggressive roadmap and it's taking us a really long time to kind of build it out. Like we're still literally in phase one of what we wanted to build like seven years ago. And we're just 
we're just still not even there yet. It'll be like another year or two. And then we'll finally kind of have all those things built out. You know, we have eight different kind of software modules right now. And so, and so we always had these like, you know, there's, there's never a shortage of ideas of what we wanted to build. It was just more of like, you know, the talent to kind of go through and, and build these things. And so we just kind of hired on all fronts. And so we, we kind of small chunked, you know, the, the products where like, you know, we launched this thing called ClearCheck and this thing called EasyFluence. And then, and we launched them as separate products. And then over time, we know we would continue hiring engineers and build these other products that would come after them. And so then, you know, ultimately you end up with kind of this, ideally we would have just built everything all up front, but we just didn't have resources. So you end up kind of having all these, you know, different software modules that are built over time as we've continued to, you know, kind of hire on the developer front. And then on the sales front, we kind of do the same thing where we've kind of continued to build the sales team. And then we're always building new products. And then they're always bringing those into the mix with the other products that they're already current selling, you know, into different clinics and whatnot. And so then eventually as you get big, you know, it's kind of a mix where some clinics have none of your products and then other clinics have one or two or three of your products. And now you're kind of selling additional products, you know, down into the current base. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that because, you know, as you move into the healthcare space or as you're working with these clinics, you know, there can be a lot of different steps and different hurdles you got to yeah. get to even get in there. So talk a little bit about some of the challenges in working with large healthcare institutions or, or working with clinics. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that I think it's kind of unfortunate more folks don't, you know, kind of do startups in the healthcare space. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, which is good, but you know, it is challenging, you know, both from our regulatory front, right? Because there's all sorts of, you know, challenges there. And then two, just from, you know, how long sales cycles could be or like going through IT review or contract review, you know, these could be very long processes, right? And so if you're trying to, you know, if you're a startup, right, trying to like bring in revenue and, you know, it takes like 12 months just to kind of, by the time you first started with somebody before you actually, the invoice goes out or you can have these long sales cycles, you know, in there. But yeah, I mean, it's just part of selling into hospitals, you know, it's just kind of how it, how it ends up working. And did you expect that going into it since you were kind of coming out of some of these institutions yourself or, or was that a surprise to you? No, I was super naive, which I think ended up working out well in my favor. Right. Because <laughs> I think with startups in general, it's kind of good because like, if you realize how hard it is, then you're like, I don't know if I want to do this. But then you're kind of like oblivious to all that. And you're like, just gung ho and let's go do this thing. And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is like really hard. Right. <laughs> And so um, I had known, you know, loosely of kind of, you know, how kind of going purchasing software worked, you know, in clinics kind of having been in the clinic, but, you know, not to the detail, right, that I know now. In a different way, but kind of a similar experience of some of the challenges and regulations and all of that. What's been your experience kind of moving outside the United States into these other countries? Has that been a big hurdle for the company or how did you experience that? Yeah, it's just, you know, relearning everything, right? In terms of like, well, I mean, you know, obviously the regulations kind of, you know, are, are slightly different. Some are, you know, similar, other, you know, have additional things or different things. So yeah, there's a whole regulatory component behind it. And then, you know, each market is, you know, different. You know, I mean, ultimately cancer as a whole is treated very similarly, but yeah, there's I don't know, certain aspects that might be emphasized in, you know, different markets versus others. And so then as you think about, you know, features or product roadmaps, right, it's like, how do you take those into account to kind of handle all these different sites, you know, just not 
kind of I'm used to operating a certain way working in the US, right, versus other places. So at what point did you decide that you were ready to move outside the US? And tell me a little bit about the thinking about, yeah, taking on that challenge rather than just staying on your home turf and, and working things out here. Yeah, it's tough, you know, because it's something that, you know, a lot of companies face, you know, at what point, and it's always a tough point because like, you know, it's it's a resource allocation, you know, thing where, you know, do you spend more resources here versus kind of going into a new market? And so, you know, we had kind of got to, you know, a point of growth where, you know, for us, it, you know, it made sense, but, you know, it's definitely a super difficult thing, right? As you continue to expand into new markets. Anything about that process surprise you or, you know, as memorable as through that process? No, again, yeah, I guess more um, back to, yeah, I mean, you're like, oh, how much different could it be than like this one? Then some things are quite different. <laughs> right. And so, but I guess, you know, none of that should be like super surprising. But uh, again, in, in general, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think part of the thing that I, didn't quite realize, which again, sounds a bit negative, you know, as for like on the startup side is like, things never really get easier. <laughs> right. They, they only like you keep leveling up your skills, right? And 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 you just kind of level up and then the company levels up and then there's like new challenges that were just as hard as like, you know, how challenges were in the past. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, always been my experience. Yeah. And you know, so, so anyway, you just kind of keep leveling up, right? You keep learning, you keep figuring things out and it's just kind of how it is. Yeah. Well, it's good that you said the thing that drew you in was that problem solving aspect because you're always going to have those problems to solve. Yeah. I think for anybody looking to start a company, yeah, there's two things. Yeah. I mean, just, I don't just be, have that learner's mind, that growth mindset, you know, you want to continue learn because there's just always, there's just so much, right. To like learn and then, and just new problems to solve. And then having a fair amount of like persistence goes like a really long way. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. You don't have to be like, you know, the smartest person in the world, but like you do need a fair amount of, you know, grit as they would say, or like persistence just cause like, you know, it's a, it can be a long and hard road. I mean, there's plenty of like great moments and stuff, but you know, there's a lot of, it, you know, it can be rough at, you know, <laughs> at certain times. So, you know, but like, but yeah, you just keep going. And in those rough times, are you finding, is the the team at Radformation a good support for that? Do you have other CEOs that you kind of lean on to, again, find some support for that? Or, or how do you find that grit to keep going on? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think it comes back to, for me, the mission. You know, it's like, why did we start this in the first place? And so, you know, always kind of like anchoring back to like, that's why we're doing this. And so I think that kind of helps you know, in the long run of things where, yep, this is going to be hard and that's fine. Right. Cause you know, we're on this mission to kind of help all these clinics and it's just kind of how it's going to be. And so kind of just, you know, coming to peace with that. And, and then obviously, you know, having a great team, you know, I mean, you need a great team on so many aspects, right. Just to be able to execute and support each other and just, you know, kind of keep going. But I think that's one of like the biggest inhibitors as companies continue to grow is the talent of the team, right? Because just as you grow, it's like there's just more and more people and you're just, you know, the summation of kind of, you know, the whole entity. And that's going to dictate, you know, how, you know, how well you're going to be able to execute and continue, you know, on your mission. So, yeah, the team's, you know, super critical. Well, tell me a little bit about that. How big is the team at Radformation now? Yeah, so we're just over 100 employees now. Wow. Okay. And so am I right? Way. 
Yeah, it has uh, from the, the three. <laughs> yeah. Three to 100. So tell me, if, if I recall correctly, you guys work as a distributed team. You're not kind of all in one location. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we like to say. Yeah. We were doing, you know, remote work before it was cool, you know, before everybody else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we were always a remote team. So Alan, even in the founding days, you know, Liz and I were in New York City and Alan was in Boise, Idaho. And uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it has its pluses and its minuses. You know, there's, you know, the pluses are, right, you can instantly just hop on a meeting with anybody. You you can recruit, you know, talent from, you know, any, you know, geographically, sometimes I don't want to move to this, you know, region. I, you know, and so in the early days, it was like super nice from a competitive advantage of like being able to hire talent. You know, now a lot of folks, you know, allow remote. So that's, you know, not as much anymore. But yeah, but then there's obviously communication challenges. I think there's also kind of challenges with like, people building rapport. I know, there's something about, you know, you know, face-to-face in person that kind of helps you build this rapport with other individuals. And so, so actually we do once a year, we get everybody together in person. And the goal of that is to like, how do we build up, you know, some of this rapport with others. So then when we go back to the, vid- you know, the virtual world, how do we, you know, kind of take that rapport, you know, with us, you know, into the digital side. And, and on those yearly get togethers, is it, business meetings are they kind of team building i mean how do you build that rapport even in a short period of time yeah so we kind of like split it so we'll you know we'll do some you know kind of like businessy side of things and then but but yeah a lot of like just team having fun stuff because you know, you know we can do a lot of these you know business meetings kind of remotely and kind of talk through that but i mean but there are good things to like brainstorm and whiteboard you know all with everybody in like the same room together but yeah there's you know, just kind of all that team building, having fun together, doing fun activities is uh, yeah, something that yeah, you quite can't do. Yeah, we do virtual happy hours as well. And those are fun, but, you know, it's not quite the same as everyone being together. There's still something missing when you can't just be right next to somebody. Yeah, yeah. In your experience, have things shifted with teammates kind of on the remote post-pandemic? Do you find the the... the new hires that you have coming to the company have different expectations or different perspectives on, on remote work or is that remained relatively consistent across your experience with it? No, I think a lot of it's kind of remained consistent. Yeah, I think because some people were already kind of used to remote and so, but others, you know, it's a transition because, you know, we hire a fair amount of folks for out of the, out of the clinic. And so, some of them were kind of doing hybrid environments, but some of them might have just been in the clinic, you know, five days a week. And right. So now it's actually a switch going to like a full remote where it's like, hey, I haven't left my house all day or my apartment all day. Like I should probably go outside for a little bit. And so, you know, you can kind of fall into those traps. And I think, yeah, with, you know, when you're kind of doing the remote thing. Yeah. Any other thoughts on kind of managing that remote team that you found to be effective aside from kind of those getting together on a yearly basis for the building rapport other thoughts on how you manage that group. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, really it comes down to communication. Right. And so, you know, we use like a bunch of tools, right. And so, you know, there's a variety of digital tools out there, right. For folks to collaborate with, you know, project manage, you know, with, and so, Kind of, you know, getting a good cadence, you know, with those things, you know, I find kind of helps, you know, with just kind of keeping everybody on the same page and moving in the in the same direction. That's great. 
So Radformation announced earlier this year that it took on a strategic investment from BVP Forge. So I wanted to ask you, to how was that process? How did you find the whole fundraising process and then closing on the deal? What was that like for you? Yeah, yeah, no, that was definitely, uh, you know, a, a big shift for us, you know, and so yeah, kind of the backstory there, you know, we had been growing, you know, and kind of everything was going good on that front. But again, there's just, you know, new problems that just kind of, I think happened to all companies at all stages, right? And so right as you go from, you know, this level to the next level to the next level to the next level. And so, you know, we had gotten to a point where, yeah, we were looking for, you know, a great partner, you know, to kind of act as that, you know, kind of mentor and kind of coach and, you know, just strategic, you know, advisor on a lot of these things that a lot of companies, you know, kind of go through. Right. And so, yeah, we talked with, and so that was kind of like one of the, the big reasons, you know, to, to do that round. And so, yeah, we talked with, you know, a variety of different groups, you know, which is always tough, you know, it's always hard to like feel out like, how is, you know, what, what's the interaction going to be like, you know, on a day to day, week to week, month to month, you know, with this new partner. And so, you know, luckily, yeah, we just hit it off with the Forge team. And, you know, we had, a, I think, you know, we shared a lot of the, you know, same mindset of like where we want to go and, you know, kind of the, the problems we're going to face. And yeah, we felt they were really well positioned to kind of help us with our particular problems that we're going to have, you know, uh, growing wise. And so, yeah, and it's been, you know, great ever since closing with them. And so, yeah, so I think they'll, you know, help us tremendously as we continue to grow. That's great. I mean, and how much, it sounds like a lot of it has to do with that connection with the team, but how much of it to make that final decision is, is personality based kind of that experience with them and how much of it is based off of either their network or the other companies that they are working with or other success that they have kind of when you come down to make that final decision, how do you weight those different factors? Yeah. A lot of it for us particularly, yeah, was the direct team we're going to be, you know, working with, you know, which, and obviously tapping into like a deeper network is always, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of pluses on that side too. But like, you know, who are we going to be interacting most with and, you know, what's what's their skill set and, you know, how's the interaction going to go for the problems that we're facing? And then, OK, if, if something needs escalated or has to go to, you know, part of the network, you know, how deep, you know, the network to kind of help us on all up front. And BVP Forge you know, has it on all fronts, right? Because like the people we directly interact with are great. But then, you know, they're actually kind of associated with the venture side, you know, Bessemer. And so they have like this huge, you know, network that you could tap into as well. So any advice you could offer to other founders seeking funding and or the kind of the process of, of getting that funding closed? Yeah, funding's always a, a tricky thing, unless you're uh, doing AI large language models now. And then I think they'll just, they just hand it out, out, right? Yeah, <laughs> all right. They just sign here. And so, uh, yeah, I think there's two sides. I mean, there's always, you know, especially in the early or wherever you're at with burn and whatnot, there's always some financial side. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I, I would think long about, yeah, kind of, you know, the the partnership and, you know, in terms of like, what are these individuals going to be able to kind of bring to the table, you know, from a skill standpoint where, you know, I have this problem, you know, you know, can I talk to them to like help me, you know, work through it versus somebody just being a check. And so I think that's something that, you know, founders, I, I think, you know, I think the problem is, you know, founders always get hung up, especially if you're like burning money and, you know, you need to do a raise and it's like, oh, I just need to, you know, clear payroll here. And so, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's, there's a lot to, I think, to be had to kind of 
thinking through, you know, the challenges you're facing and how can right this group help me through, you know, those challenges on that front. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So tell me a little bit about what are some of the goals that you hope to accomplish with this investment? How do you plan on using some of the funds that, that you brought in? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it all comes back to our original mission, right? We're on this growth mission to help as many clinics as we can. And we just see this as something to accelerate that mission, right? And from a hiring standpoint of continuing to kind of hire and bring on the talent, right? Then we need to support all these, you know, current products and new products and new features, and then all of our current clinics and new clinics we're going to bring on. And then just kind of help with a lot of, you know, the growing pains of, you know, as the company goes, you know, at now at a, just over a hundred employees, right. To, you know, beyond that. Right. And kind of working through kind of all those org challenges as you continue to scale up and increase your headcount. So I think you mentioned earlier on that you're still within phase one of, of your roadmap. Yeah, and you said early it's on. It's taken a lot longer than I anticipated. It's funny looking back at like old decks and stuff at like how fast I thought we'd be able to kind of build everything out. And so we're almost there. Okay. And so how many, how many phases are there? I mean, is it phase <laughs> one and two or we got eight phases to come? Well, no, no. Yeah. Well, I think there will be this, we have no shortages of ideas for things to build, just the shortages of resources. And then, you know, we are prioritizing certain things over others. So I think now we'll kind of have this original arc of what we wanted to kind of build, you know, through, and then we'll be able to start building of, you know, some of these newer things that, you know, we've been thinking about, but just didn't, you know, have time or resources, right, to kind of work on. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about that. How are you seeing changes in technology affecting reformation and what you think is really kind of capable in the next few years? Are you seeing kind of big moves in the industry that are going to impact you or is it not quite caught up to to your field yet? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know, you know, general tech, you know, is obviously a bit further ahead of, you know, maybe like healthcare side of things. But I don't know. I think people have just kind of seen the power of LLMs. And so, you know, like that's just something that's like, oh, wow, this thing uh, could be pretty useful, right, for helping individuals. So I don't know. Yeah. So for us, we just kind of look at what are, it all comes back to like, what are the specific pain points, right, in the clinics. And then you kind of work backwards from there of like, what could a potential solution look like? And yeah, and then kind of like what kind of tools, you know, could be, you know, useful. You know, we do AI, but in the auto contouring side of things, right, for, you know, being able to identify where organs or lymph node chains, right, are on a, you know, a CT scan or an MR. And so, so I think AI will continue to, you know, apply, you know, to, to healthcare and our field specifically in, you know, in, in different sectors kind of moving forward, in addition to like, you know, other tools that others can build. So, so what what's one aspect of your job that, people don't really appreciate or that you wish you knew was going to be part of the job earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of unique. I don't know, you know, kind of in that CEO seat. Cause like you kind of have this like vision and, you know, you kind of see into like all departments. And so, but I, but I think, you know, as you continue to grow that communication thing is, you know, difficult, right. Just kind of keeping everybody on track and, or, you know, we're all headed in a, in a similar direction. And so that's something, you know, we're always trying to, you know, kind of get better at on that front. And so, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, right, it's, it's a very rewarding job. Again, I think 
you know, I don't think you anticipate kind of how hard, you know, it's going to be, you know, in the early days, but you know, that's okay. Right. It's just, you know, kind of, I don't know, you know, just again, back to why are we doing this? Like, what's the mission and, you know, kind of recentering on that and, you know, to kind of keep, keep kind of going in that direction. And you talked about the kind of your why for doing this quite a bit and have that vision and have that goal kind of cemented in your focus. Are you seeing stories coming out of these clinics? Are you getting kind of feedback from the folks that you're working with that helps you to tangibly feel like, yeah, we are making an impact. We are making a dent in this, this problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. We get tons of feedback from our users. Yeah. We love, you know, kind of talking with users, you know, in remote fashions like this and seeing people in person at, you know, trade shows or on site. And again, yeah, I think, you know, that's something as we continue to grow, right? How do we kind of incorporate all this feedback into, right, the products and the evolution of kind of what we're putting out there? But I I think it's something that's critical, right? I mean, you know, they're the ones, you know, on the front lines kind of, you know, day in and day out doing this work in the clinic. And so ultimately, you know, we should be listening very closely to them to, you know, how do we make their lives easier? You know, it's just, I mean, it's challenging as you continue to grow because then you have, you know, so many sites and how do we aggregate and collect all this, you know, information in a useful way and then prioritize things where, you know, somebody may want this feature or maybe somebody else wants this other feature. And so, but that's all just kind of part of the organization, right? How do we kind of organize and collect and execute right on all this data? And has it been easier for you since you've kind of had that medical physicist background to have these conversations and be able to kind of talk the talk with the folks that you're in the room with? Or tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think it's kind of helped a lot, you know, because you can kind of, you know, imagine what it's like, you know, being in their shoes. And also, I think the thing that's hardest is like, now I've been out of the clinic seven years, you know, and so, you know, so what I think about is like, you know, am I losing touch, right, with what's going on and and how do you, you know, minimize that? Because yeah, to me, that would kind of be the the ultimate travesty, right, if you like ultimately kind of lose touch with like kind of what's going on in the clinic and, you know, how do you prevent that? Do you miss any aspect of actually being in the clinic? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, much prefer kind of, you know, how things have kind of worked out and. So, I mean, it's all good, you know, in the end, but yeah, I think there was, you know, nice aspects of kind of, you know, being there and, you know, kind of seeing patients, right? Not that, you know, physicists don't see like a ton of patients, they're more behind the scenes, but I think it's just easier to kind of understand the impact that you're, that you're having because it's like, it's more, it's more tangible, right? It's like right there, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit more abstract to be like, what does 1500 clinics using our software mean? You know, it means something, right? You know, that like, you know, a lot of people, you know, must really like this software and there's, you know, a lot of value we're generating, but it's not as, I don't know, you know, it's just a bit different, right? And I know what it means, right? You know, I was in the clinic, right? As far as like, you know, I can imagine like, you know, how all these things could be used, right? All these different software products would be used, you know, to generate value for clinics, but it's just a bit more abstract, I'd say. Right. So, so what are your biggest areas of concern for the company here in the next 12 to 36 months? What, what keeps you up at night? Yeah, I think it's just, again, that all the growing pains, right? And like, make sure we're not losing touch, right, with the customers and, you know, make sure right, we're listening to feedback and executing on it and just, yeah, the communication throughout the organization to kind of make sure, right, we're all headed in the same direction and kind of executing on that. And so, 
yeah, it's just, uh, there's just tons of growing pains, right? You can kind of go into any department you know, and there's just, you know, things that, right. We just need to keep continuing to improve and tackle. And it sounds like there's lots of opportunities, but what, what do you see as kind of the biggest opportunities for the company in the next couple of years? Yeah. So to kind of finish out phase one here, you know, will be uh, one thing, but, but ultimately the, everything will kind of still revolve around this, you know, automation, you know, streamlining things for the clinic and reducing errors and better quality plans. So it'll still kind of follow all these similar arcs that we've been on, you know, but right. What's a, uh, what are product features or different products to kind of go about different aspects of what's going on in the clinic to tackle those subjects. Got it. So we are the Founders Shares podcast. And so I always like to ask our guests, you know, if there was one piece of advice that you wanted to share with a, a new founder or, or someone who wants to be a founder one day, you know, what would that advice be? Yeah. Yeah. I think I would say, you know, again, if there's some problem that you can't stop thinking about, like just go do it, you know, and just, <laughs> just go start that company. So at least you'll stop thinking about it then. <laughs> or actually you'll be thinking about it quite a lot, but then you'll kind of be, you know, all in on that idea. And yeah, and again, I would say, yeah, just, I don't, I don't know how you can like build up your, you know, persistence, you know, or your grit quota, you know, like how, how do you improve like your grit capacity, you know, right. your, but yeah, I, I don't know. I would, I would just say, you know, just, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, right? Obviously you want to celebrate the ups, but like, you know, it's fine, right? You just accept that there are going to be ups and downs and, you know, kind of have this, okay, right. We're on this mission, you know, we're, we're doing this for this, for this you know specific reason, and we're just going to keep going and right. And really trying to, because yeah, it, it mentally can be, you know, pretty tough, right. You know, as you continue to grow, because, you know, these are all, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of challenges that you'll run into. So any, anything you can kind of do to, you know, kind of just, build up your persistence will be very helpful. Yeah. Well, and I do think you've hit on it a couple of times, but having that kind of founding purpose or that founding mission of why you're doing it, sometimes I think that is so critical to having that persistence to keep going on. Yeah, it definitely can, you know, help because you can always anchor back, you know, to something like that. And then, yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think there's other ways, you know, you can kind of go about just like, building this capacity, right. To, you know, kind of take on a lot. So anyway, so uh, there's, there's a whole set of like tools, you know, for like, I don't know, you know, stress reduction and, you know, kind of being healthy and, you know, being able to kind of do that. I, you know, I recommend, you know, people, you know, kind of using those tools or, you know, kind of building up that tool set, you know, to be able to take on, you know, these more and more challenging things, you know, cause it can be quite stressful. Right. And then, you know, so how do I, orient things in my personal life, you know, to kind of help me deal with all these challenges that, you know, I know I'm going to be having on, you know, kind of this professional side of things. Well, I, mean, I think that's interesting because you've talked about leveling up kind of the skill set as, as you've gone along. And it's not just leveling up your experience of running the business, but it's these other things that you're talking about, the ability to take on the stress, the ability to kind of roll with the punches as new problems kind of come in. Those things are also skills that have to be leveled up. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. That is something I did not think at all about in the beginning, but it's something I think a lot about now, you know, just cause I've seen, you know, other founders, you know, just at a, at a certain point, I don't know. Yeah. You, you get so beat down, <laughs> you know, you just can't keep going. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's really tough. So, and you know, 
I mean, it's just kind of one of those, it's just a really hard thing, right? And so, so if you can, right, kind of do things, you know, in your personal life to, right, reduce stress, kind of, you know, give you energy, you know, have kind of just this general healthy lifestyle, it'll be able, you'll be able to kind of take more of that beating, <laughs> I, would say. <laughs> I would say, which it's a bit sad to think about it that way, but like, yeah, I mean, if, if you can kind of build these other tools, you know, it's quite surprising how much you can suffer. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note of encouragement, <laughs> I think we will wrap this up. No. But I, I do think it's, it's, it's real, it's truth to, to, kind of, to kind of talk through that. But it also is important to, to realize you can get through it and, and provide that encouragement. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, it's not like that bad but like yeah there's anyway i'm just saying yeah there's a tool set that you can build that can just help with like you know because that's what i think you know stress can kind of you know really be a bummer you know it just can you know kind of weigh you down and kind of run you down pretty good so yeah just kind of anyway just how do you stay healthy you know mentally physically right so you can kind of keep going is you know something i didn't think about at all in the beginning but as you continue as the years start to add up yeah. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, like, I got to take care of this. You know, in the beginning, you're just like mad dash, you know, and then you're like, yeah, I can't like go all night and all day you know, anymore. I need to, uh, what's a good pace and, you know, what's a reasonable pace, but that's still like, you know, pushing the edge as much as I can. And then, you know, again, yeah, expanding your capacity to be able to kind of, you know, stay healthy and kind of get all the work done that needs to get done. And so building up that tool set. So, so do you have a go-to activity to stay healthy and, and stay fit? Yeah, I got a, I got a whole variety of things, but like, I, I don't know. I, I would say eating healthy, you know, is a big thing, getting sleep. I don't know. I think when Matthew Walker's book, you know, why we sleep came out, it was like a big eye opener. Cause I had always been like, Oh, I'll just not sleep that much. Just code all night. And I was like, Oh man, the sleep thing's like pretty important. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so anyways, so yeah, there's kind of the, you know, the, and then obviously exercise, you know, kind of both cardiovascular and, you know, kind of lifting weights and stuff. But then I don't know, I, I personally find that like steam or sauna kind of has, mm -hmm. you know, a very nice, like stress reduction aspect to it. And so, um, you know, kind of doing those activities as well. Well, that's great. I, and I really appreciate the conversation. I've enjoyed kind of talking through these things with you and Kurt, I appreciate you coming on. If people want to learn more about the company, what's the best way they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to radformation.com uh, and uh, yeah, all the information is on there. On the website. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see where the company goes in the next few years and just enjoying watching the ride. All right. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, Kurt. That was Kurt Sysok, co-founder and CEO of Radformation. You can learn more about Radformation at radformation.com. That's R-A-D-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Founder Shares podcast. If you're a founder or business owner and need legal advice, be sure to check out our team at hutchlaw.com. That's hutchlaw.com. We have the capacity to help you out with just about any legal need your company may be facing. We're passionate about the innovation economy and ready to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. The show was edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Trevor Schmidt, and thanks for listening to the Founder Shares Podcast.